Ian Trotter here for another discussion of truth, and this time uh, out of San Antonio, Texas. I'm from Dallas, but I'm in uh, San Antonio. Melanie, right you're now. from Dallas. You're from yeah. you're from Dallas. Yes. Uh, and, and next month, uh, Clay will be having, and I will be there as well. And we can reconnect then. Yes. Um, Melanie Davis. Is it Davis? No, Melanie? I'm Melanie Roberts. Melanie Roberts. Two Melanie of us. Roberts. There's two Melanies. Two Melanies founded this organization. It's bizarre, isn't it? Me- <laughs> America's real estate coach. That's right. Me- Melanie, why are you at the, why are you part of Clay Clark's uh, Reawaken Tour? Well, it was the 10th anniversary of when we launched 111111. Uh, Melanie Davis launched something for this book, the Heroes book, on that day. On that day, I did an event for veterans. 11-11-11. So our 10th anniversary. 10 years ago. That's right. 10 years ago. So we, were, we wanted to launch this new book that I wrote. Melanie wrote this book on 11-11-11. She lost her uh, daughter to SIDS at seven months. And she wrote this PTSD recovery book. This book has been used for 10 years. It received the... Governor's Award. Governor's Award for the work Texas. that we did. Yes. Governor Abbott in 2019. For the work that we did, that she did in the uh, with incarcerated veterans, and the in, the recovery rate has uh, increased, and this book helps them walk through, and it actually spread to the general population. But um, this book has been beneficial to help them recover from PTSD. So, to uh, for, to celebrate our tenth year anniversary, I wrote this book. Five star American dreams of hopes and homes. The American dream is alive. Together, we make it thrive. That's right. So what this is, is I'm a real estate broker. I was a real estate paralegal for 27 years, buying upscale real estate, um, Top Golfs, Starbucks, so on and so forth. I was the paralegal that worked for the outside counsel or general counsel. And uh, in 2006, I had a major health event that changed the course of my life, and I got a real estate license. And I thought, oh, I'll practice real estate. My oldest son is going to college. He got eight football scholarships, and he took a scholarship, and my daughter's in middle school. And so I'll practice real estate. I can travel and do his uh, football games. But that event changed the course of everything. And um, so uh, it uh, eight days before my 44th birthday, they told me I was five months pregnant. And uh, it was like... Congratulations. You, you did surgery on me a year ago to make me unable to have children. Oh. Well, it, wasn't that perp- it wasn't for that purpose, but that was a side effect. And then it was like, uh, you need to terminate this today. You're in oh. the second trimester. You're not expected to live. The baby's not expected to live because of the damage that we did to your body t- for you know, the ablation. And so I did survive it. My son survived it. He had a he had a birth defect. They put him in a coma for 21 days, rendered him blind and deaf for the first seven months of his life. He he's 14 now. He sees, he hears, he sasses. I tell everyone this. I thought I had cancer because uh, I didn't think I could have children. And uh, so I, I tell people he's my walking, talking tumor that I have to send to college at sasses every day. So, but anyway, so I have a 14-year-old, and I'm... But he's kind of a miracle, in a sense. He is a miracle. There's a long string of miracles, because he was sick for the first seven years of his life. Because of the birth defect, he drowned real easy. If he got a runny nose, he would drown. His lung would fill up with, with you know, it's not. And uh, he, he had respiratory disorders for a long time. So, totally abolished my paralegal career. And I'm like, okay, I'll get a real estate license. And I got into the real estate industry. And, of course, I had always worked with CFOs and COOs. And we did everything by the numbers. 
okay, 27 million works, you know, we're going to do this. And we, I wrote the paperwork as a paralegal. But then I got into residential real estate and I'm like, this doesn't work. What's going on here does not work. People get into this process, they have no idea what the process is. There's 30, 40 steps in this process and they don't know them. They're trusting a realtor, they're trusting someone, they're trusting a friend to help them make one of the biggest decisions in their life. So as I began you know, practicing real estate, I would coach people and I, I dubbed myself and actually got the trademark DFW Real Estate Coach. So I started coaching people and they just kept saying, you got to write the book. You got to write a book. I've never heard any of this. I didn't know this. I've never heard this from a realtor. And you know, it was like, I need to know financially that you are able to buy this house because my fiduciary responsibility to you is to make sure that I don't sell you down the river and you're in over your head financially. And the broker didn't like that. They're like, you're here to sell houses. What year? What year? Uh, it was 2009. Oh. And uh, I was like, I, I, but I can't sell my soul for a commission. Because in the end, I have to take my integrity. And, and, and that's the only thing I get to take to the king when it's done. It's all said and done. Here's my life. Judge it. And that's integrity. So I said, okay, fine, whatever. And I got a broker's license and of course other health issues came along and a lot of things have put stumbling blocks in front of this. You didn't believe the stumbling blocks that have been put in front of this book. Uh, so I, I split out the process. Instead of it, the five-star American dream of homes, I made it the five-star American dream of hopes and homes. So this is an acrostic. Hopes is everything that everybody wants. Your health, opportunity, purpose, education, and security. That's what hopes stands for. And then homes is your house, the opportunity, the market, the evaluation, and the security. Mm. So it's a workbook, and it teaches you how to build a blueprint mm. to live a five-star American dream. I was going to name it the American dream, but I'm like, let's do five stars. Hey, let's kick it out of the park. So you walk through and you learn about health. It's about food and rest and exercise and your emotion and disease care. Okay, so you get fired up. Okay, so we've got acrostics and all of this. So you walk through the book and you, you, you find out what really matters. Okay, instead of jumping in, oh, I love that bathroom. You bought a house because you bought the bathroom. And I can buy that toilet and that sink and that bathtub for about $700. But you bought a $200,000 house because of the way they laid out the bathroom. So it talks about all that in this book and how to determine what you really need and what you really want and how to balance that financially. So that's what this book is about. So this book became part of Love Your Heroes, which is the nonprofit that we started, Melanie and I, and my husband started, to fund this work for the PTSD recovery. Melanie and I have paid this out of our pocket for 10 years. Mm. Prisons don't pay for this. We paid for it. So. We couldn't get approved for a nonprofit during the time of the IRS scandal. Two years didn't work. So we, we just kind of went our separate ways and did our things. And, and I did funding for her, and I did what I call the Love Your Veterans listing. So when I listed a piece of property, I would give a 1% to her to fund this. So that was how we funded a, a lot of what she did in the prison systems. So now we've got this book, and we want to launch a tour uh, speaking tours, seminars, I can come to your PTA, I can do whatever, and we'll split. 
portion of this. We can fundraise for your organization, but we also fundraise for Love Your Heroes. And it's more than just veterans at this point. So we've, we've spread it, and you'll see the logo. We've got veterans, military, firefighters, police, and families, first responders. So those are the five, five gold stars. stars that stand in front of the gold heart of America, and they stand and defend the, our, our, our freedom mm -hmm. and our hopes. So that's what the logo stands for. It kind of goes with what the front of this book. So um, it just happened 10 years ago that Melanie and I launched separately. We did not know each other. In 2013, we did an event together for veterans. And um, so we said, well, well, we'll launch this book on our 10th anniversary. And I found out that they were having this event. And I was like, well, I'm going to go do that. Melanie was going to be here with me. Her husband's having surgery, so she couldn't be here. So I'm here and um, talking and sharing and trying to let people know that we want to fold them into what we're doing. Help us fund this. Uh, we did an event I gave to Sheepdog, and they had eight people that, eight veterans that wanted to go hunting. So we gave them funds to help go do that, to raise money and, you know, to food and expenses and things like that. So we just got, we're a fundraising arm for smaller nonprofits and for what we're doing here. Now this has been approved to be used in the Georgia prison system. The whole state is to be launched there and the gentleman that's running that for us there was incarcerated for 22 years for a murder he did not commit. Hmm. Prosecutor knew it. African American? Yes. And he's the happiest guy. Hmm. Uh, you would not know that he had ever suffered what he went through for 22 years. He's so grateful to be alive and be out of prison. And he's funny as all get out. He's hilarious. So we're trying to raise money for that to help um, uh, get this into the Georgia prison system where the largest number of incarcerated veterans are officers in Georgia. So that's the plan. That's how I ended up here in San Antonio. On, there's a lot of things. It's our 10th anniversary. This book published on 11-11-2020. My dad's birthday, 11-11. He passed away in, in February, and that kind of held up what we were doing here because the book published on 11-11. We did a fundraiser with a group in Dallas uh, for DAV. We were part of that, and we were able to raise $40,000 on that day for DAV. So uh, after he passed away, I've been working this, this uh, probate and all that. So right, we'll just wait till 11-11 and then poof. They just put this right in the middle of our plans. So I was like, okay, we're going to go for it. And here I am. And what's this third book you've got there? This third book is the Heroes book. Melanie Davis wrote this book. And this is a book about heroes. You'll see the similarity. She wrote this book. It published 11-11-11. Okay, so she published this book, and this is first-hand stories of people in the military, starting with, I think there's Korean, all the way through the current conflicts at that time. And uh, it tells their stories of bravery and the things that they did, and it just talks about all the things that they did. We've got Tuskegee Airmen in here. Um, it's just a wide variety of people that we, we told their stories, who they are, what they did. And it, it brings it to life what they suffered and, and what they did in, in bravery just in a spur of a moment. So that's what this book is. And you'll see this here. This is one of the classes that graduated 
um, that's Shanna right there. That's one of the checks I wrote her for the Love Your, Love Your Veterans. This was a listing that we did. And, and if people would agree to sell their house, I'll give up my commission. Wow. A portion of it. I don't give up the whole thing, but I give up a portion. And these are the other. She's a ghostwriter. So she uh, wrote this book, these other books, and uh, to help people get their books out there. And you know, the ultimate goal is to do what we want to do. Is, uh, it's called Triumph Villages. Okay, so those are like bed and breakfast type places where uh, veterans and firefighters and uh, police can go to get away from all the things that they do. There's some of the graduates from the honor mentoring program. These are, these are incarcerated veterans. This Easton prison in Texas. So that's the goal. Eventually down the road, we'd like to have the Triumph Villages and help people reintegrate or people that just want to get away and don't want to be in hotels and they'll have a bed and breakfast type place where they can go and um, be on acreage or horses or shooting range or all those types of things so that's out in the future so we're 24 hours into the launch of this book so i don't know why it hadn't happened I mean, it's been 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we are we launched this 24 hours ago so and congratulations on that. That one. Thank you. I'm so excited. Melanie, you're doing a wonderful service to society here. Well, thank you. Helping the veterans and helping those that are incarcerated transform themselves if needed. Thank you. What is, in your view, what is... What, what, is, what, is, what is the country experiencing right now? What, what's going on? We'll, we'll pull back. And, and, and as, a, as, as a woman that clearly strikes me as being a nurturing, uh, motherly figure. I mean, you wow. certainly are. You, you're, you're, you seem to be... I am. You, you, That's you funny to, you nailed that. I've called Mama Mel for most, most people call it. In the youth program that I work in, the teenagers all call me Mama Mel. They call you Mama Mel. Yeah, a lot of people call me that. <laughs> I am. You're right. You nailed that. That's pretty interesting. Well, it takes it takes a it takes a lot of compassion to to do what you're doing. In my view, it is, and that's what we have. But you know, this goes back. My grandfather died in 2006, and he was a medic in World War II. He showed up three days after the D-Day invasion, and he was there through the liberation of the concentration camps. And when he died in 2006. He was thrashing around and screaming. He was having all these issues on his deathbed. And I'm like, what is going on? What is this? And she said, he's been like that since the war. I'm like, that was 60 years ago. He has PTSD. And she didn't know what it was. So all the things that he saw, and I was a kid, I was his favorite grandchild, and he would, we'd sit and watch all these movies and see, oh, I was there when that bridge collapsed. Oh, I was in that monastery when that happened. And he saw all these things and he, he lived a great life. I mean, he went and did everything he wanted. He was funny, he laughed, he loved, he had everything he ever wanted, but there was this dark spot on him that was the PTSD. So that's really where I got started. He died in 2006, and then I just started kind of doing things with veterans. I'd go to the local DAV and provide food and, and, and do those types of things, and I was like, I need to be serious about this. My family was here when the nation was founded. My grandfather was Dr. George Washington Posey. He's a, he's a descendant of Hezekiah Posey, who lived next door to George Washington. And 
Hezekiah sold his land to George and ended up as part of Mount Vernon. So I need to be serious about this. These people gave up their life and, and, and fought for my freedom, and I'm just kind of squandering around. And I'm not being serious about my life. And that's really what drove me to do this for the veterans. Okay, so every conflict since before, I mean, Hezekiah was a militiaman. So he, he, he did end up in the army when the country got founded. But you know, he's born in 1751, he lived 1852, he lived 101 years in that era of time. So, you know, in learning all this history about the family, you know, Hezekiah was the only one in his regiment that survived. They found him in a barn. The guy wouldn't shoot him because he's like, I'm not going to waste a bullet. You're going to die anyway. And, and so, but then he's lived. And so I needed to be a little bit more serious about the freedom and the cost that it had for me to have it. Because I, I walked out to this graveyard and here's Napoleon Bonaparte Posey and William Holden Posey and all these people. And I'm thinking, okay, he was here. It's Virginia, they, where is this? It's in Alabama. They were there when it became a territory. Um, and some of them ended up apparently in the um, Supreme Court or something. So the state of Alabama did research for titles of nobility or something. I'm not really exactly sure. I hadn't dug into all that. But they took, they look, took the family history back to 1492. And we found the castle. Now it's, uh, it backs up to the Belgian border. And they were, they were Huguenots, Calvinists. And that's how we ended up in America. Huguenots. Huguenots. And so uh, John Pochet, it was spelled P-O-S-C-H-E-T-T, it was French, but he ended up in jail in London. Uh, he was a teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old. He was Calvinist. And they arrested him. And he was going to be in prison, apparently, until he was 18. And they gave him an option. You can go to the new territory and work. And so in the 1600s, he ended up here in the United States as a, an indentured servant. And he had to work 10 years to get his freedom. And so that's how the family ended up here in the mid-1600s. So I'm like, you know, they suffered. And, and I have so much freedom. I thought I had freedom. It was the illusion of freedom. But they paid a price for me. All these people that went to war and did all these things, they paid a price for me to enjoy and I had not been serious about it. And same thing with Melanie Davis. She's like, thank you's just not enough. You got your leg blown off. Oh, thank you. Well, it's just not enough. And that's where we, we just, it just became so passionate. You just can't not do it. Because your heart just burns for it if you don't do it. You feel less than. To do what? To, to serve and to help these people that gave us so much of themselves and their families gave them up for us or gave up their leg or their arm or traumatic brain injury and all we're doing is going out and watching a movie and doing things and i don't say that those things are bad it's just that we're not grateful for what they did and the price that they paid and and i was walking in that cemetery and my son three years old he walks up and he leans on one of the tombstones and i look down and there were three children there, buried there, that were his age. Three three-year-olds. 
buried next to the gravestone, and they had gravestones on them. They were three when they died. And it was like, they gave that up for me. They went into this territory of Alabama, and they created this state, and they died. Their children died. And I had no idea. It's like, I have to do something. I can't do this anymore. I can't just be benign anymore. I have to do something. So that was really the turning point for me to say, I have to do something about this. I have disgraced what these people buried here did. There was like six generations of them buried there. I have to do something. I have to do something. And so that's what drives it. I mean, you it just, I have to do it. So here I am today doing it. What is the, what is, what is the, the, what is the, the, the biggest threat facing uh, this country that 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 you inherited, right? Uh, what's the biggest threat facing the country today? I, I mean, what is, I, is can I, we? Yeah. I think it's. I t- there's so many of them at this point, but I think people being dormant in their patriotism and appreciation for what a glorious thing we've been given here. We've been given something that's beyond measure and we don't even know we have it. And that ignorance and blindness to uh, the apathy that we have about, oh, nobody can take us down. Nobody can do this. And well, it happened to Rome. They said they couldn't, you know, Rome could never be taken down. And we have just become distant from our history. And as I study history, and I've just become a, a, a maniac about studying history, uh, we don't know it. We don't know our history. And, and going back and looking at all these things and understanding, my family was here when the nation was founded. And then finding out on my dad's side they were here when the nation was founded. I'm like... Both sides of the family were here when the nation was founded, and I didn't even know that. I mean, I knew kind of that on my my mother's side, my mother's grandfather, my mother's dad, but I had no idea on the other side of the family. And the things that they suffered and the things that they did and finding their graves and going and looking and saying, oh my goodness, you know, look at that, we're in a wilderness here. And they lived here. They lived here. And there's this graveyard in the middle of nowhere. And they settled this area. So I think it's, it's the apathy to say, you know, I don't really need to do any of that. Somebody else is taking care of it. And so many people say that, um, that we've, we've lost our country. We've lost it, really, the, the promise of the country. We've lost that. And it's time to take it back. And it's not a matter of rebuilding it necessarily. It's, it's take it back. You took something from me. You took something from my ancestors. You took the gift that they gave me. And you didn't appreciate it. And you you lied and you stole and and you manipulated. How how does that, that, Melanie, how does this get taken back? And what is it it that the country has lost? How does it get taken back and what has been lost? Well, I think what we've lost is our desire to be free because we're entertained and we've been entertained into oblivion of our of of the loss of our freedom we're distracted 
And I think the way that we take that back is to learn our true history. I don't think it's taught anymore. And as I dig into it and I learn things, it's like, I've never heard that. Why have I never heard that? Because like uh, I just, you know, the way things are handled and the way things are done and how the wars began and the things and who funded those wars and, and, and things of that nature that you dig into. And I think we've become reliant on a talking head to tell us something and we rely on that information. It's not true. It's manipulated, it's deceitful, and, and it's, 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 we have to be our own advocates. And, and advocates for one another for good things. Because this nation was founded for good things. I think we, we started with an ideal of freedom for the individual. And we've become a collective. Uh, and we've become a collective mindset of being entertained. And, oh, I have to chase after this because somebody said that. Well, not really. You need to chase your purpose. What is your God-given purpose? When I found mine, it just it seared a hole in my heart. I had to do it. That was 17 years ago. And here I am still pursuing And if I don't pursue that, I feel less than for myself. So I think we've got to, and that was part of, you know, this book is to help people see what that, you know, design this blueprint for the American dream of hopes and homes. We need to design a blueprint, have some serious thought put into what I need to be as a high caliber citizen. I'm a high caliber citizen. I do the things I need to do. I do what's right because it's right. And I pursue goodness in helping and serving other people. Uh, I think the only thing on this planet that really truly has value is people and the relationships that we have with people. Everything else is a distraction to some degree to keep us from pursuit of our purpose. Is there an exterior organization or country or power that has uh, weaved its way into American society and culture and is, and is bringing it down, in your view? Is, is there... I do agree with that. I think that you have an unseen collective of people who have joined together to manipulate things, to um, distract people from the true reality of what they're doing. I think there's outside influences. I think there's people that have sold their soul to those outside influences. And I think that they have, uh, they have squandered the prosperity of this nation for their own benefit. Anyone in particular that you're thinking There's of? There's so many of them. Um, um, I think the political realm is full of them. And both sides of the... Both sides. I don't think there's... Uh, I think there's an illusion of two sides there. They just, in name only, they look different. Or they sound different. But I think they're all... Um, together in what's going on for the demise of our country. They found the honeypot, which is our tax dollars, and they have no appreciation for the work that we do, and uh, they live lavish lifestyles and and, uh, live extravagantly at our expense. How How do you define the deep state what does that mean to you? And you have a sitting president of the free world, whether whether you like him or not, and whether he's whether he's compromised, whether he's being 
puppeted uh, by this powers power that you allude to, you speak of. We don't know. But what we do know is that he's throwing this for you. He was, because he's not in power anymore, but he's throwing, and that power is grossly over overused by these executive orders by the current president. But mm-hmm. How do you define that phrase, deep state? What, is that, what does that mean? What is that? Deep state? What does that mean? I think the deep state is a collusion of people who have determined that they can blindside the American people, do what they want, lie about it, and and, and probably laugh about it. Look at these idiots. They believe what we put out there in the media, and they believe there's a two-party system, and they believe all these things, and they're just a bunch of sheep. And I think the deep state are the deceivers. Um, they, they, they are not public servants. And um, I've been asked forever to run for office. And I'm like, I don't want to be a politician. And you jump in the shark tank, you have to be a shark. And I don't want to be that type of person. I have gone and served all of this without having to ask for a dime. Now I am now because I'm asking patriots to help me. But um, I don't need to be elected to be a servant and to serve people. And I, I, I could serve my whole life and serve people without ever having to be elected. And the people that are elected have lost that. And a lot of them went into it knowing they weren't going to serve. They went into it for the money and the, you know, the perks that go along with all that and the deceit that they do has no integrity factor issue for them. So there's no integrity. I can do and say whatever I please because I've been elected. And those are not public servants. And I think politics is the bottom realm of acceptable civil behavior. It's the bottom rung. You know, high-caliber citizenry is about doing what you, you, you should do and helping other people and being a good citizen of the country. Somebody that, you know, works and, and helps the community and participates in the community and stands up for the underdog. And, and, and um, you know, just because you're not my kin or my foe doesn't mean I'm not going to stand up for you. That's not how that works. And I think just throughout my life, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and my first day in the third grade, I, my parents pulled me out of private school. They put me in public school, first day of busing. What a traumatic event. I got out of the car, walked up to the school, and there were all these people standing around the school. And I'm going, wow, this is kind of wild. And then the bus came up the hill with the people of color on it. And those adults went nuts and just berated those kids on a bus. I'm like, what in the world? It terrified me. I was in third grade. I'm like, why do they hate these people? I don't get it. I was never taught that. My dad grew up in the projects with these people. He was impoverished. So he never taught, they never taught us that. So I can help you regardless of your status. I can say something or give something or be nice to you um, without some type of division between us. I don't care what class you are. I work with CEOs of billion-dollar companies, and I work with homeless people. I work with people incarcerated veterans because my perspective on it is I'm here to serve, period. No matter who it is. I'm here to serve people. And when I do that, I fulfill my purpose. 
Let me throw as we wind down, and 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 again, the the work that you're doing is is remarkable. The the book that Melanie has written is five stars. American dreams of hopes and homes. American dream is alive. Together we make it thrive. America's real estate coach and her partner, uh, Melanie Davis. Davis, having written the, uh, the Triumph program, the Triumph program, military mm-hmm. veteran edition, that is now active in uh, Georgia. We, we launch in Georgia in a few months. It's active in the Texas prison system, a portion of the Texas prison system. We're trying to get it statewide, but it's, it's active in Eastham and several other places here in Texas. But we fund it. Melanie and I fund yeah, that. Yeah. So we are limited in what we can do until other people can come alongside of us. And we've set the structure up for them to be able to come alongside us and help these people. When they came back, no one helped them. It's a national disgrace that the military has done what they've done. I spoke to a woman yesterday. Her husband died two years ago. The VA won't even return her phone call for her husband's veterans' benefits. Mm. Oh, 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 I can't go down that road. I'll say something I shouldn't. It's just a disgrace. It's a disgrace. So, yeah. I'm not happy about that. I don't even know her. We're standing in line at the bank. She tells me, I tell her about this. And she says, yeah, my husband died two years ago. I can't get the VA to return my call. Oh, my. So, okay, let me get you to an advocate that can help you get those benefits. Because, you know, my, my husband's father passed away. For 45 years, they did not pay his mother her VA benefits. They turned her down twice when he died. She never went back. 45 years, she was not paid her VA benefits for her husband's death. And she, I said, you better go. Why aren't you getting your VA benefits? Well, they turned me down. I said, you better go back down there. And that, she said, they're not going to give it to me. And I was like, honey, put whoever it is that you're talking to on the phone. And so I was like, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm a sweet, loving person. But if you don't approve that... I will be on the next flight there, and you will never forget my face because I'm going to be up in your grill. This woman has been 45 years without her VA benefits. He went to World War II. He served there. He came back with PTSD. No one helped him. So it's just helping those kinds of people. Random. I mean, I knew her because I married her son. Uh, But, you know, just getting the knowledge and us all come together and do this is, is what we're trying to build here. And like I said, we've we've proven ourselves for ten years. So, um, and the endorsement of Governor Abbott, with the endorsement of Governor Abbott's One Star Foundation and the Peace Builder Award. So, I mean, we, we do get national recognition and we get state recognition, and uh, but we we need help from other people because uh, we just. We, don't, we can't fund it all ourselves. We need other people to come alongside us. And it's a, a $10 donation, a $20 donation, whatever you've got, we'll take it. And we'll plow that into this and, and make this something that we all came together and did. Because it's not about Melanie and I. We could just totally be in the background for this and lift everyone up. That's the goal. Uh, that's the goal. I don't need recognition. I mean, I don't care about recognition. It has no value to me because of my faith. And in my faith, I recognize myself as a child of the king. Well, 
you can't trump that. I'm sorry, there's not anything you can do that will trump the fact that I believe that I am a child of the king. So there you go. I don't need recognition, but I do need people's help. Ladies and gentlemen, Melanie Roberts. Melanie, thank you for joining the program. Thank you for having us.